Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. The illustrious Jabba bids you welcome. <laughs> I'm going to regret this. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Hey, Church Planner, this is Pete Mitchell. And this is Peyton Jones. Coming to you for everyone's favorite show on iTunes. Everyone's. Pete, what are you talking about? Everyone's favorite show. Well, mine and yours. I heard Joe Rogan talking about us, actually. He he really likes Church Planner Podcast. Who's Joe Rogan? I don't even know how to continue this conversation with you. So let's just... I know uh, I've seen him. Let's just go on to the next topic. Huh? Let's just go on to the next topic. If you don't even know who Joe Rogan is. I know that name. He is uh, the Joe Rogan experience experiment experience. I don't remember what his podcast is. It's yeah, like I've seen it. I just can't remember it. Yeah, it's one of the most but, listened you know, to podcasts. Joe knows me. I don't have to know him. He's a commentator for the UFC. He um, used to have a bunch of different tier, uh, TV shows, like Fear Factor. I think it was called. Or oh yeah, that's how I know Joe. That's where I know him from. Is Fear Factor? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he was talking about us. G. Gordon Liddy, baby. That's the only episode of Fear Factor you have to watch. I don't even know uh, what that's in reference to. G. Gordon to. Liddy, he was, the, uh, he was one of the attorneys in the Watergate scandal. Really tough on Was he on Fear Factor? Oh, yeah, dude. And uh, he just, he had it. There was no break in that man. He'd spent time in prison. He was, <laughs> that no one was going to break him. <laughs> I did not know that. That is a thing of wonder. You have to watch that episode. Wow. I might actually have to look that one up. I wonder if it's on Netflix. He's since uh, he's become a believer, but he's tough as nails, man. Yeah. Yeah. He was mentally. It was just nothing phased him. They they on. I, I won't even tell you. Just watch the episode. You'll love it. But you know, think about hell when you watch it. When in the final experiment, I think they come the closest that you can physically depict the description of hell. With the final trial. Really? Makes everybody, yeah. Huh. 
You know, um, we missed you last week on the Church Planner podcast. Yeah, I, you know, I listened to it. You didn't seem like you guys missed me at all. You were doing great. I was like, they don't need me. I'll just go away now and not be on the podcast anymore. Well, all I have to say to that is, get to the church plant. Get to the church plant. Go. No. Classic stuff. That was so good. I was dying. That was the, like, you could just tell the strain in his voice to, like, get that out and not, like, kill his vocals in doing it. Oh my gosh. What was it? What were we doing the other day where we were recording and you came up with, uh, do you, do you have the Flanders soundbite? Oh, I did. I, I, I stuck it in here. Uh, gosh, man, where to here, here it is. You ready? Yeah. Calm down. Italy, 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 Italy. They did their best. Shoddily, Italy, Italy, Italy. Gotta be nice. Hostility, Italy, Italy, Italy. Oh, hell, did I think dog crap? <laughs> gosh we were talking i'm like we need a clip i think i said i need a clip of 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 uh flanders cussing because you know he's gonna do it in his flanders way and you're like hold on and, you, and man i could not stop laughing i was literally i left after we were recording the podcast and i went to a meeting with a church planner and in the middle of the meeting i start laughing <laughs> Because I'm hearing going, ding, ding, diddly, 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 ah! Calm down, diddly, 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 diddly. They did their best, shoddily, diddly, diddly, diddly. Gotta be nice, hostility, diddly, 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 ah! Hell, diddly, ding, dong, crap! Diddly, ding, dong, crap! And and the clip, apparently, is he he drops his glasses and breaks them? I don't know, he breaks his glasses. Obviously, something else has happened in his life. That breaking the glasses is the the straw that broke the camel's back. That's what put him over the top. And he's trying to hold it together. And man, have I been there many times in my life. Yeah, I I thought that was a great clip. I loved it. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Good times were had by all. So uh, what's the smack talk you got for us this week? So the smack talk this week. Well, first off, today's topic is we are going to continue our Matthew 10 stroll through uh, Matthew 10 and church planning. I almost forgot that we were on that. Yeah. Yeah, we are. In fact, this, gosh, it's been a couple weeks now. We had that break in the middle. Yeah. But part one. Part one was two weeks part ago. Part one, yes. And the deuce will come today. But uh, smack talk today. Have you seen the news about D-Land, Disneyland, the unhappiest oh. place on earth for Pete Mitchell? Yes, I did. Um Here's my problem, and there is a slight problem with this. So if you don't know what we're talking about, Disneyland has uh, announced that they are having the largest park expansion in history for both Disneyland and Disney World, and they are adding in a new Star Wars kingdom. And it's going to be, yeah, I know, it's supposedly going to be the greatest thing ever. Here's my problem. My problem is Disneyland, while they put out incredible stuff, they are also one of the slowest moving behemoths ever when it comes to upgrading their parks. And I'm afraid the rapture is going to happen. Tomorrowland Tomorrowland is still very futuristic. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm afraid the rapture is going to happen before they finish. Yeah. And I'm not going to get to enjoy Star Wars land. But if you go to heaven and you make a complaint, I would imagine that in heaven, God will be like, hey, let me show you how I make Star Wars land. 
and it'll be really cool. Yeah, except that Star Wars is all based on a religion. And it's not Christianity. I'm just saying. It's a false religion. Yeah, you know, funny enough, um, Lucas, I mean, it, it is very clearly based on uh, some Buddhism and some other things. But, you know, I, I'm just saying, I, I use it as a metaphor for Christianity all the time. So I claim it. That's what we do as Christians, man. We roll in and we're like, Sam Hain, you're ours now. You're All Saints Day, All Hallows Eve. We claim you, right? We, we claim all the pagan holidays. That's what Christmas is, Easter, the Feast of Ishtar. So I think God's pretty good about taking pagan holidays and converting them. Calm down, Italy, 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 Italy. They did their best. Shoddily, Italy, Italy, Italy. Gotta be nice. Hostility, Italy, Italy, Italy. Ah, hell, did I think that crap? I am your father. Ah, uh, yes. So, so I can't wait to hear Star Wars Land. See it, feel it, experience it. So I actually got the news because we took our holiday. The reason I, I, the reason I wasn't on the podcast last week because we were actually in Disneyland as a family. And uh, I was at Star Tours and I was waiting. I hadn't eaten. So I, you know, what I like to do is to pretend that the, the giant rubber rancor monster is the tickle monster. He's got his arms sticking out. You know how you can go and for like 30 bucks, they got this bin and there's a bunch of big rubber jabas in it yes and a bunch of big rubber rancors and the and the rancors arms are sticking straight out like i'm gonna get you see i don't remember the rancors being in there i i imagine they are i just don't remember them i remember oh, when you there. and He's i cool. were at disneyland at the same time and you took a picture with darth maul and so i had to grab one of the rubber jabas i took a picture with java well i have a picture that i put on the internet about a year ago and it was eden holding java and looking a little bit scared and everyone got mad. So I didn't take pictures. I still did it. I just didn't take pictures and put it on the internet. But uh, did you still take any- pictures? Yeah, yeah. But uh, no, I didn't. But the Rancor, the Rancor monster was uh it was pretty cool. They were uh, you know, he so he's a tickle monster because his little, you know, his little paws and his arms are sticking out. So she thought that was pretty funny. I'm not sure about the big teeth and bones sticking out of him, but but she kind of she kind of was amused that this thing was tickling her. But anyways, I was buying a Chewbacca mug, and uh, as I was up at the counter buying the Chewbacca mug, the uh, the guy told me he goes, "Hey, well, you know today's D twenty three, which is like their big reveal conference," and he's like, "Yeah, you know." Uh, so I I knew because they hadn't announced it that day, or they were going to announce it like the next day. So I actually knew like a day or two in advance. Do, do you feel like, special? I did. I it, dude, I felt like I was part of, you know, like I had where are the they going to put ticket. it? So they're taking out Toontown. Oh, okay. And they're going to move Star Tours over there, and it's going to be the Ewok Village. That was not in the news release. It's going to be Ewok Village, and there's going to be the Creature Cantina. Stormtroopers are going to walk around checking people's papers, looking for droids, and they're making Space Mountain into hyperspace. There's going to be X-Wings and TIE Fighters flying through there while you're zipping through. And then there's going to be a simulated Millennium Falcon ride. See, I figured they were going to redo Star Tours as the Millennium Falcon. That's what I thought. And they might. I hope not, though, because Star Tours is awesome as it is. Yeah, see, that's that's the problem. It's going to take them literally years to do this. And they're going to take out Star Tours. And they're going to make my Disneyland experience pretty much completely without any merit from now until it gets done. 
You're going to like it now, though. No, I'm not. It's going to be miserable. I'm not going like to even have Star Disneyland. Tours. Finally, you're going to like, you're going to be like, hey, Jamie, let's go to Disneyland. No, there'll be too many people. <laughs> there'll still be too many people. And they're making Tomorrowland into a Marvel themed park, which they have not announced. That doesn't again, surprise me because the uh, innovation area is yeah. Marvel now. So. Yeah, so that's a taste of things to come. And so they're going to, in Japan right now, they, they're putting the Iron Man ride in already. So, what does it do? I guess you pretend you're Iron Man flying around. My son already does that. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Hey, thanks for that message, by the way. He the was like video. Well, he was like so sad. Peyton Jones can't come to my birthday party, and then when I get the camera out, he's like, "Oh, I'm supposed to smile now." Cheese, cheese, and I couldn't <laughs> get him to like say it all mad and sad. And what was the you use like you know how people have Dobermans? They use like that fight word to make their Doberman attack. You had some like phrase or command that you're like, you're, you're like Luke, blah, blah, blah. and then all of a sudden like he's like going ar ar, and he's like fighting and swinging at the camera. I don't remember. So I'd have to go aggressive. back and watch. I'd I don't have to know go what back. you did, but he was like. It was like the German kill word, kill command. And you were like, Arstung, you know. That's that's racist against Germans. I am so sorry about that. Mamma mia, that's a spicy meatball. So um, any other Smack Talk news? Uh, it's hard to beat that one. It is hard to beat that one, but I just got to share a story from uh, our church experience on Sunday. <laughs> Which to me is like. This is Long Beach, right? We've we've been back in the park. We had a, a six week. This is uh this, well this podcast airs on Monday. So you, for you listeners, it would have been this last Sunday is our final week in Bixby Park, to, as far as I know. I mean, I'm not on leadership. I haven't heard about anything else behind the uh, curtain. So pretty much every week, something has happened at Bixby Park. The very first Sunday. Uh, this gal like flips out. I'm thinking it was demonic could have been mental. Um, I'm not a hundred percent sure, but it was because it was the, uh, the guy going off about Jesus that flipped her out. And I mean, she just like, she went off. Oh, it was, I, I saw the video both of the occurrence. And then I saw the video afterwards where the leaders were just praying. And she was standing there. And I'm telling you, if 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 what happened during the prayer, she didn't freak her out or she didn't freak out or anything. But there was definitely, to me, uh, not being there, it's a little bit harder to tell. But to me, it seemed a little more demonic. Well, yeah. And it definitely did to me. And uh, so, I mean, that was like the first week. Something happened the second week. I think there was like, I don't know, an eagle like trying to kill a squirrel right behind whoever was preaching. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, like every week something has happened. And then this last Sunday, Charlie is preaching, Charlie Marquez. And uh he's Charlie, Charlie's one of the original church planners with with Peyton for Refuge Long Beach. So he's preached in the park. And he had all the bad stuff happen to him when he was preaching before. Like so in the past, he had uh, you know, this belligerent drunk guy. I mean, like out of his mind drunk up in his face while Charlie's trying to preach. I mean, literally up in his face while Charlie's trying to preach. Uh, another week there was like 
I don't, I don't know what was it like a flock of seagulls cover band <laughs> playing no it was uh, it was Billy Ocean <laughs> that's what it was it was a Billy Ocean cover cover band that had like all these jazz instruments in it and they're like caribou queen and that it and awesome, it didn't matter man. that we were on the other side of the park you could you no. still couldn't hear Charlie even with the PA because the music was so loud okay. so like Charlie's gone off and planted his own church now in Whittier and so he was coming back. Julie's with them, right? His wife. And uh, and right in the middle of a sermon, you know, probably like a good half hour in, something goes down like literally right behind me. So Jamie and I sit in the very back because we got the stroller with the baby. And we hear this, give me back my purse. Give me back my purse. And so then, you know, I'm, I jump up because I'm like, what's going on? Something's going on here. And so these two people are going at it. You know, the, the grievances apparently extended back a few days. One person did something to the other, like put a put a lock on this guy's bike. And okay, so he couldn't so move his bike. Thickens. Oh, there the is thickens. a relationship. This is OK. So this is the transgender prostitute of uh, previous podcast fame who's with us. And uh, th- this particular guy had come to the church of, of, you know, months back now and was like, I want to talk to the preacher here. And, uh, and, and found out that cause we were going through Romans one and he wanted to talk to Chris cause Chris covered that passage, did it very well. But, uh, the guy was upset because, uh, his favorite prostitute wouldn't sleep with him anymore. And so he needed to talk to this preacher and he, he actually was kind of bent on, being violent and of course who's he talking to he's talking to dj right well dj's a guy you don't want to mess with right dj's a big guy rock solid (laughs) big guy he's he's been on the street that dude can handle himself and uh so you know basically uh you know they they were able to kind of talk him down and talk him away and he left but it was him i didn't know it was him it was him interesting so anyway, that guy grabs a purse and, you know, so it's on. And literally, I mean, everyone's attention is there. You know, we got the baby right there. And Jamie apparently was a little <laughs> bit more freaked out because the children's area is much further away than it has been in the past. So, you know, she's like, great. All this stuff's going on. And Luke is too far away. Well, next thing we know, that guy pulls out his scissors and he starts swinging the scissors around. Clearly he doesn't have a knife. This is his weapon of choice, these scissors. And so then it's like, okay, this is going on. He's got the purse in one hand. He's got the scissors in the other. He's swinging his hands wildly. And everyone is watching this and our people start to move in. Bonomo's moving in. DJ's moving in. But, you know, everyone's kind of like still back a little bit because the dude's got the scissors out and he's swinging them. And I, I have that thought going through my head. Do I call 911 or don't I call 911? And, you know, because it's like, is the situation going to get diffused? And then literally the thought crosses my mind. Now, now you should know in my life, I've never called 911 before. Never. I've never done it. Wow. So I don't know what to expect. I don't know how it works. Um, but I'm like, dude, do I wait until someone gets stabbed and then call 911? 
or do I just preemptively call 911? So I do. I call 911 and, uh, you know, get the dude on the phone and, and, you know, I'm, I'm describing the situation. And right then our guys, I mean, maybe five, six guys had moved into the area and they were, they were defusing the situation. So I'm telling the guy that's on the phone, all right, looks like they're diffusing the situation. I go, okay, I, I think you're fine. It, it's diffused. And the guy's like, oh, do we need to send cops out there? I'm like, no, nah, I, I think we're going to be fine. Okay, good. Click. <laughs> like, that's, that's all he cared about. Yeah, yeah. We ain't going down there again. Yeah. Well, yeah. The other question he already. asks is, are are they homeless people? I'm like, yeah. And he's like, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> we're not yeah. going down there. Yeah, they can kill each other. It's all right. <laughs> so, so, yeah. I mean, that was like, and then, you know, uh, I think Charlie started yelling, okay, guys, let's just pray. <laughs> All the other guys are out there dealing with this. Let's let's pray. And then, you know, as soon as everything's diffused and, and we're ready to start back up again, I go over to Julie and I go, we've missed you guys so much. <laughs> but it's like, dude, that's that's church in the park. That's church in Bixby Park right there. Yeah, you, you kind of have to go to Refuge Long Beach and just experience it. I mean – you know, we, we, we joke around that, you know, uh, some churches send a, a small group of people out on mission every summer to some part of the world. Our entire church goes on mission. Like, we move the whole church. The whole church may as well be in Haiti because we are on the front line of mission. And the whole church is there. And they love it. Like, these are normal, middle-class, white Americans that have never been in the inner city. Our yeah, original but team. You, you, I, I got to correct you on that. Uh, the white middle-class Americans is down to maybe 15% of the church. <laughs> it has whittled <laughs> away, man. Is, but they're nuts for it. They're cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, man. Like, yeah, we we probably have uh, weaned a lot of them out. <laughs> I think However, <laughs> I think they're kind of like, mm, I don't know about this church anymore. <laughs> I'm, I'm always kind of amazed, like, you're still here? <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude, it was just I I will all I was thinking was, okay, this is refuge on beat because after the first week when the the probably demonic woman was like going off in the middle of the service, um Jamie and I were talking on the way home and she's like, "You know what? I just don't think we were ready for it." Like we got soft being in the school. We we weren't used yeah. to dealing with all this stuff that we did deal with before. So by yeah, this week, I was supposed to be there. I knew something yeah. was going down because of all the spiritual attack that was busting loose the weekend before. Uh, people on the team were panicking and all kinds of things. I ended up spending a good chunk of Saturday dealing with that, which meant that I had to turn to my wife and say, you know, I'm not going tomorrow because I kind of this was the time like I need a family day, you know, because I've had to like put out all these fires because like you said, people had grown soft, and some of the people were starting to panic, not remembering how we did things. And uh, and and yeah, man. So I wasn't there. So in in a, in a weird way, no one really knew what to do. And uh, yeah, you know, yeah, you're right. I mean, we just gotten soft, and and that's why. But like by this week, right by the week of of this, it was like, all right, we know what to do now. Yeah, we're back, baby. We're, we're back. back. <laughs> you see everyone moving to place and you know and all i'm doing is i'm thinking okay i got my baby and my wife right here and i got luke over there you know what, what's i gotta keep my eye on everything oh, i'll just call 911 <laughs> just call 911 
Let them I love it. I love your comment though. You send a text and you're like, "Hey, uh, for the last couple weeks, um, I'm feeling kind of watched after I take well, the offering." No, that was the thing, dude. The, the, <laughs> two weeks ago, I'm walking out to my car because as the treasurer, I got the offering, and I'm I'm the guy that does the deposit. So I'm I'm walking back to the car, and I'm telling you, this dude is eyeballing me. And I'm carrying the case that's got, you know, the files, all the financial stuff. And I, I just like because we've got these offering bags with that. We put a lock on it. They're like bank bags, but they're bright blue. So they stand out and everyone yeah. knows what it is. And it's like, I don't want to carry that around the middle of Bixby Park. So I had it in my, my file folder. And I'm telling you, this dude is eyeballing me. And he's oh, a, he's been watching, man. Like he's a, a big, big guy. And all I'm thinking to myself is. All right, I got to distance myself from my family because if this goes down, I can't be having Luke and the baby right here with Jamie. So I'm just like, hey, uh, go on to the card. And I start to walk back towards the church where everyone is. And I see DJ. And so I go, hey, DJ, come over here. So DJ comes over to me and he goes, uh, he goes, what's up? I go, dude, I'm being eyeballed right now. Just walk with me out to my car. Because, yeah. you know, with DJ, I, I'm a big guy. Yeah. But. If it's just me, I mean, this guy who was watching me was bigger than me, right? Yeah. And so I'm like, yeah, but you're not going to come after me and DJ. <laughs> like, that would yeah. just be crazy. Yeah. And so I had DJ walk me out to the car, and I was like, ah, oh, this is getting crazy. And that's why I was like, I texted you, and I'm like, uh, I texted you and Chris. I'm like, uh, hey, guys, I was getting eyeballed today. I need some suggestions on what I need to do for the next couple of weeks in Bixby Park. And like neither one of you replied back. <laughs> and so like a week later, I'm like, no, seriously, guys, church is tomorrow. Yeah, that's right. I'm either not taking the money tomorrow or, you know. That's right. We didn't respond. And then you hit us up again. I forgot about that. Yeah. And, uh, and I don't think our response at first was helpful. I think we started making jokes with you. And then uh, I can't remember what I said. Something I said, about put it down the front of your pants. And then Chris is yelling, <laughs> unclean, unclean. That's right. I said something like get one of those like internal fanny packs. It goes inside your jeans. Remember they had those for people traveling in the nineties. So you can get pickpocketed. It's like an internal fanny pack. I remember them on the old TV shows. Like I love Lucy. <laughs> exactly. Well, Fred Mertz. Yeah. So anyway, uh, that's, uh, that's the end of our smack talk. I forgot to even play the Hulk, Hulk Hogan smack talk clip. Oh, well, play but it now just for, for old time's sake. Well, let me tell you something, brother. Now that it's that part of the show where we talk smack, what you gonna do when the Church Planner Podcast runs wild on you? Welcome, you are. This week's episode of the Church Planter Podcast is brought to you by... Mogive. Hey, Peyton, let me ask you a question. <laughs> well, well, uh, it's kind of abrupt, but uh, in the middle of the podcast, but sure, Pete, what, what's on your mind? Have you been wanting to get your church started with online giving? Yes, I have. I have to confess, I think about that all the time, Pete. Well, you know, let me ask you another follow-up question to that. Have you been using PayPal because it's cheap and it's easy and you just kind of been using that? Well, let me tell you something. Now that we're kind of confessing, I strip down naked, I lather my body with oatmeal, and under the wild light of the moon, yes, I do. 
Somehow I don't think this is what MoGiv had in mind. You know, this is the last month they're advertising with us, and now I won't be able to get them to come back next month. That's all is I'm it saying. Really? Is it really? Yeah, this is their let's last start, Let's month. start it over. <laughs> nope. No. Do over. No. <laughs> well, stop it. A better solution is here. Wait, being naked or using PayPal? Yes. <laughs> oatmeal? Can I at least use the oatmeal? Too far. <laughs> much, much too far. A better solution is here. It's MoGiv, and that's spelled M O G V dot com. They are an online and text-based giving platform built specifically for the needs of new and growing churches. Go to MoGiv.com forward slash church. That's M-O-G-I-V dot com forward slash church to learn more. You had to see Pete's face right then. That was awesome. He was he was moving and grooving to that. You were getting into it, brother. I love that commercial. I love MoGiv. They're my peeps. They're my peeps. MoGiv it. Mo it. Oh. All right. So uh, let me pull up a little Doc Brown here. Great Scott, it's time for this week's topic. All right, so um, we are doing part two of uh, Matthew 10. Was that right? Church planning according to Matthew chapter 10. Church planning according to Matthew 10. I just made that up. So uh, hit uh, hit us with part two. So last week on church planning in Matthew 10. Two weeks ago. Yes, two weeks ago. We were listening to Jesus sending out the 12, and he gave them full authority, and he said, Go nowhere amongst the Gentiles, enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. We talked about that as kind of a justification for being called to a certain cross-section of people. Uh, some, you know, Jesus specifically says, don't go to the Gentiles. Later on, we see Paul flipping that he goes to the Gentiles. And so this is by way of review, because to be quite frank, I can't remember exactly where we left off, but I'll figure it out as we go and proclaim as you go saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I know we cover that heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. You received without paying, give without pay. And uh, I think that's it. Is that where we left off, Pete? That sounds good. Yeah, it sounds good to me, too. So verse 9 says, Acquire no gold, nor silver, nor copper for your belts, no bag for your journey, no two tunics, nor sandals, nor a staff, for the labor deserves his food. Oh, we did cover this because we talked about the fact that this was a way of ensuring that you understand the risk uh, hardwired into mission. That mission always comes with a price tag. And that price tag, Pete, that's not. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, everybody. This is why we're not supposed to have the (laughs) this is why we're not supposed to have the cameras on when we do the podcast. (laughs) Turn your camera off now. (laughs) I'm trying to read my Bible while he's talking, but my mic is right here in front of my face. So all right. So uh oh mental picture, get out. Uh, no bag for your journey. So it's it's risk hardwired into mission. And the reality is that what you're looking at is you're looking at Jesus wanting them to be dependent on the Holy Spirit. That is something that you cannot teach somebody in a classroom. And so Jesus uses uh, real life like, hey, just go on the mission. Don't take extra provisions, which normally, you know, most missionary societies We'll do the thermometer thing and, and kind of set a goal of like 8000 a month or whatever it is. 
and they won't let you go even if you're at 90 percent you know you write your newsletter we're at 75 percent help us reach 100 percent then we can go to germany or we can go to wherever and basically uh jesus like just get out there and watch god provide because that's really what frontline mission is is you know you you take the step of faith and i know we covered this and talked about it in regards to long beach and kind of what we've been uh, learning. So anyway, so the theology of risk and mission is hardwired into this. But then anyways, moving ahead to where we're at, he says, in whatever town or village you enter, this is where we're at. Find out who is worthy in it and stay until you depart. As you enter the house, greet it. And if the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it's not worthy, let your peace return to you. And if anyone will not receive you or your words uh, or listen to you, shake off the dust from your feet when you leave that house or town. Truly, I say to you, it will be more bearable on that day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town. And um, so as as you uh, read that, one of the things that, that's mentioned in the parallel passage in Luke is the person of peace. And so when he talks about it being uh, a worthy house, what you're looking at is um, you come in and somebody's practicing the gift of hospitality. That was a very, uh, very much a cultural norm that when somebody was in need or traveling or whatever, you were to show them hospitality. It was kind of like the pride of a village. And so there would usually be somebody who was the person of peace. They were kind of like the ringleader. And my mind goes back to my street where my neighbor was very much the ringleader. And he was the first guy on my, on my street to get saved. And similarly, and Pete, you, you had a chance to meet him the other night, you know, um, when you came by my house. He's the first guy. But uh, the, the, the reality is, is that God will often... Find that guy, the person of peace, the influential person, and see them saved first because of their influence. Um, it, sometimes it could be the opposite. It could be the like the woman at the well. She was a person of notoriety. She wasn't famous. She was infamous in that town. And God used her kind of like Paul, right? Um, same thing. Paul was used in the exact same way where Paul was notorious amongst the Pharisees. And when the Christians heard of him, you know, they, they, they didn't believe that he was actually saved. And so when you look at this passage, what you're looking for is the man of peace, the person of peace, and that's the person of influence. And that could be just about anyone. Calvary Chapel back in the Jesus movement used to pray, God, send us the quarterback, the team captain of the football team, or send us, you know, the 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 king of the druggies, the hippie king, or send us, you know, the the whoever it was in school who was kind of like the the most popular or whatever. And they would pray for that. They would pray for the person of peace, the person with the most influence in that town, and uh, or at that school or whatever. And so that is a good missionary strategy to be praying strategically. Lord, who is that person here who, if they got saved, they would have the ability to reach more people than anybody else. Cool. Any thoughts about that? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> and then Jesus gives them. I mean, this is kind of crazy when you think about it, right? Um, 
church planning, uh, you go in on on his mission. You're not on your own mission. Mm. If you've truly been called by God and given the authority to do this, and I think there's a lot of guys planning out there that are doing it in their own authority. They just want to, you know, be a pastor of a church. They want to have a mega church or whatever. And so they start something up. It's not the same. But Jesus right here says, look, if I have called you and I've given you the authority and you've gone in obedience to me to reach the lost sheep of Israel, then, uh, you know, it will be more bearable for, for, for that town. So he attaches judgment to it. That, uh, and, and that, that actually gives us a little bit of a, uh, you know, a little bit of an impetus to, uh, to go out. In verse 16, he says, Behold, I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves, so be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Um, being, being wise, being strategic, being, uh, you know, I remember kind of listening to Rick Warren. That guy's a master strategist when it comes to mission. And uh, I, I think apostolic guys, they kind of get like Neo, where they see a little bit of the matrix. Um, remember that scene in the Matrix, Pete, where at the end he's he's fighting, you know, Mister. Uh, uh, what's what's that? One of my name? favorite, Mister Smith. That was one of my favorite scenes when he sees uh, everything in code. Yeah, that's that's like one of the best scenes. So one of, one of my theories is that the apostolic gifting that you have that ability that you're actually able to like because what happens with me a lot is I get guys kind of call me and I live vicariously through coaching calls. I love. When a guy in like Wyoming or South Dakota calls me and says, hey, this is what we're up against. Because I'm not going to ever plant in Wyoming. And so I get to feel like I'm kind of planting there. How do you know? Talking to the guys. Well, who knows, right? But I'm sure I'm not going to plant in all 50 states. Although, wouldn't that be a ride? And uh, I would love to do that. It, it would be cool, huh? I would actually just love to get out of California. Can I, can I chalk up my California experiences done and move? <laughs> You might actually find places you hate more than California, like Arizona. I like Arizona, and I hate the sun, but there's less people, and they all leave Uh, for the summer. It's great. Get it. I get it. Do they move away for the summer? Oh, yeah. It it becomes almost like a ghost town. I mean, not quite that bad, but yeah. Nice. So that's where all these people in Carlsbad are coming from, huh? A lot of them, yeah. A lot of them have places in San Diego, stuff like that. They'd rather move there for the the summer. Can you blame them? I mean, no. it was like 110 degrees at midnight when I was there. Nice. Well, so, you know, it, here's the deal is that, uh, you know, uh, when I'm talking to these guys, I feel like I see the Matrix code, man. I'll be talking to them, and, it, and it's just part of the gifting. It's like church planning strategy. And Jesus says, be innocent as doves, but be wise as serpents. And I think... You know, you're not to think like the world. You're not to be like the world, but you're definitely to be a missionary. You need to be strategic. That wisdom there, I think, is uh, it, it. It's pretty much you know you're gonna have to go to places and see things and do things that uh, you normally wouldn't see or do. You're gonna be in people's houses where you know you're gonna see the underside and the gritty side, but you have to keep uh, your innocence. And yet, be be very wise. I think I think Refuge Long Beach is a place where people have to be wise, like like <laughs> you walking towards your car, right? <laughs> well, 
you came up with an acronym that really describes Refuge Long Beach. SBSD? Yeah. <laughs> Wait, was that right? Yeah, it was SBSD. Saved, Saved but, but still yeah. dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. Saved, but still dangerous. <laughs> that Because, you know, the, the end of the story was when the, uh, when the purse snatcher was kind of cornered, um, Bonomo was there really mainly to protect uh, the, the guy with the scissors uh, from Amanda. Right. Amanda was the dangerous one. Scissor right. or no scissors. And uh, the, the kind of the you know, I'm hearing secondhand reports. But what I'm hearing is that uh, Amanda was the one who was going to do the real damage. Yeah. Amanda even though the other guy had the scissors. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what that's what even DJ texted me afterwards. I was like, hey, man, we just want to check in with you because he went off with the guy because he's got a, a, a rapport with him. And he just took him out for coffee to calm him down. And he's like. Yeah, Amanda would have done the real damage, and even he knew that. <laughs> so, yeah. So you know, he goes on. Jesus says, "Beware of men, for they will deliver you over to courts and flog you in the synagogue." So you know, he's talking about the person of peace. He's talking about a person that if if he's worthy, you know, he'll receive you. And I think what he means by worthy there is someone who God has put His favor on. But now he's kind of warning you, like, be careful though. There are people out there who are instruments of the enemy, and they're there to stop you. That's their whole thing. And the opposition you get in church planning, like, like what you were talking about earlier, Pete, with Refuge Long Beach, you can feel it is, it is a tangible opposition of the enemy. You understand why Paul says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, because Satan's missionaries— these counter missionaries, they are people. And Paul had to learn to see through that and realize that it doesn't matter if it's a Roman guard, doesn't matter if it's someone from the circumcision group. You know, he calls them those dogs, those mutilators of the flesh in Galatians when he's particularly riled up. But he came to a point where he's like, you know what, this isn't even them anymore. I see who it really is. It's it's the enemy of my soul. It's Christ's enemy. Um, he's working through them. They're his puppets. As much as I am the servant of the Most High God and his apostle, his sent one, Satan also has apostles. He also has sent ones. And these are his sent ones. And so he says, beware of men, for they will deliver you to courts and flog you in the synagogues. And he goes on to say, and you'll be dragged before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. And... um you know, when I hear that, my mind goes back to Paul who says, beware when all men like you. <laughs> you know, um, all who want to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. So if you're church planning, you'll be persecuted. The uh, archbishop years ago of, of Canterbury, um, oh, I can't remember his name, but he was, he was there in the 90s. And he made a very profound statement. He said, whenever Paul went to a city, they threw a riot. He goes, whenever I go to a city, they throw a tea party mm. and a ceremony for me. And it bothered him. And I, and I had great respect for the fact that it was, it was bothering him. You know, why is there such a difference between what I do and what Paul does? And, um, and, and, and so Satan is opposing, and, and he will oppose. If people really like you, and, and I think this is a trap and a temptation or a media age, the age of Twitter, the age of Facebook, where we're always putting out like, 
the ideal Peyton lives on Facebook. The ideal Peyton lives on Twitter. Not the real Peyton. Not the not the Peyton that gets irritated. You know, not the Peyton that hates people. Not the Peyton that you know. That's the real Peyton. You know. Um, Will that, the real Peyton that, please stand up? Yeah, yeah. And that's the deal, right? Is the real Peyton needs the Holy Spirit to operate through him to do anything of any value because Peyton, Peyton left to himself is no good, and. What, what the world does is it tries, I, I feel like Satan almost right now in this age of the media, we're almost kept from speaking because there's a peer pressure that uh, obviously you don't want to be the knucklehead on Facebook, like, you know, just saying stupid things all the time. But uh, I appreciated the, the, the blog from Ed Stetzer where he's like, where are the Christians at right now? You know, where are the Christians? Are we too worried about being liked on social media? to not speak up about the abortion issue? Like, this is a justice issue. Where are all these Christians that have been speaking so long about the gospel is about justice? It's a justice issue of the gospel. And Stetzer's like, where are you guys right now? Because I really need to see you. You know, I I don't hear you right now. And so right now, you know, Jesus is saying, look, if you're going to go front line and you're going to push back the kingdom of darkness, this is going to happen. All who wish to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, Timothy, will be persecuted. In other words, you're not always going to be liked. People are going to dislike you. And you can't really be a church planner unless you're willing to have people dislike you. You can't really make gospel inroads and really meet people's needs and reach people where they're at without having people speak against you, people persecute you. Often it's friendly fire. Often it's other pastors in the area that are like, hey, you know what? This is my turf. They're kind of like Batman and Gotham. Get out, Superman. This is my town. You know, Gotham is my city. Get out of here. I don't need you. And uh, you're going to get a lot of that. He goes on to say, when they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you were to speak or what you were to say. Um, for what you were to say will be given to you in that hour, for it's not you who speak, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. And, uh, and you know, that's a, as I look at that, um, one, one of the things that I heard this misquoted when I first got saved in regards to teaching, um, I heard a guy saying, Hey, you know, you're not to worry about what you're supposed to say in that hour. And he was using it as an excuse not to study the Bible. So it's, you're just getting up there and rambling, right? Um, that's not the context of this. This is saying when you're standing before someone like a mayor or a judge or a cop, you're suffering for the gospel. God will prophetically use you. Remember, the, the, the Jesus has said, you're going to go on front line. And when you're on front line, uh, you're going to be given the authority to cast out demons. You're going to be given the authority to heal. And again, I believe that the church of today is sick. It is secure. It's addicted to comfort. And because of that, it's been rendered impotent and ineffective. And because it's been rendered like what Pete was describing, the stuff we see, you, you, you have to start claiming the authority of Jesus and the supernatural power of God when you're faced with this stuff. You have to. And what's happened with the church today is that you know we're 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 kind of we're hiding our light under a bushel, and so we don't ever get to see this stuff. 
And because of that, we don't know the power of God that's available to us. And um, kind of lost my train of thought there, but uh, went on a little bit of a rant. Well, you're a pastor. <laughs> but, uh, but, he's, but what he's saying, you know, he's talking about all these supernatural things. My theory is always that the more front line you go in mission, the more supernatural you'll see because the more you need it. Right. And so what he's saying here is God will speak prophetically through you. And um, and then he goes on to say, uh, he says, um, and you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. When they persecute you in one town, flee to the next. For truly, I say to you, you will not gone through all the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. Now, this is going to be very controversial. But what we do today, we don't do this. And Paul did this. Paul went to towns and he wasn't attached to them, right? So Paul wasn't necessarily like called to a, a geographical area at first. He did say he wanted to go to Rome, but really he, he was only going to Rome because he wanted to go on to Spain. But the reality is um, the Apostle Paul was... Uh, he wasn't attached to any particular city. If he went there and preached and nothing happened, he would keep moving on. He would go somewhere else. And so Jesus is saying, look, if, if it doesn't work out in one town, just go to the next one. And what we do is we get church planners that go, I'm called to Nashville, or I'm called to Memphis, or I'm called, sorry to pick on Tennessee, or I'm called to you know the, the, the five-point center in Atlanta. I don't know how many church planners I've heard are called to the five-point center in Atlanta. Uh, and, and, and then, you know, they're, they're attached to that. And then when it fails or doesn't work out, they leave church planning. And that's not the model of the New Testament. The New Testament is, look, if it doesn't work here, you know, you cast your, your net on one side of the boat. If you don't catch any fish, cast your net on the other side. You know, go somewhere else. Try another side of the boat. Try another side of the city. Try somewhere else. Maybe move to another city. And Jesus says that. Go to the next place. If that's not the place where you haven't encountered the man of peace, there's too much opposition, don't stay there. Move on and go somewhere else. And he goes on to say, a disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for the disciple to be like his teacher and the servant like his master. If they call the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more will they malign those of his household? And I dig that because Jesus is going, hey, they didn't like me. Well, you think you come up with some new plan like, the, you know, the campaign of, you know, I'm going to like the preacher campaign. Mm. And if they like me enough, then my church, you know, we all get caught up in that trap. Like, I'll be the good representation of Christianity and I'll be well loved and liked. And like I said, you know, Paul says, woe unto you if all men speak. Or sorry, it was Jesus. Jesus said, woe unto you if all men speak well of you. You know, if you're really loved on Facebook and you got this big platform, must not be saying some stuff that's prophetic. You know, they, they, remember the prophets. The prophets said things that, that made people not like them, right? I'm not saying you're to be a butthead. There's plenty of buttheads out there, but, um, but you're going to have to take people off sometimes. You have to say things that are unpopular. The gospel is offensive, Paul said, and you need to be offensive. So, you know, you can't strip the cross of its offense, says Paul. Mm. I got no comments, man. 
you're in preach mode. So don't be no, waiting. Ar- no, don't be I'm waiting around to, for I me. Keep pausing. Don't be waiting around for me. I got nothing. <laughs> well, in that case, look, guys, I was hoping to get all throughout this, but uh, I did not get through all of this. How come this was so short? What happened to us? Um, somebody was late. Oh, I see what happened there. And by somebody, I don't mean me. <laughs> okay, well, guys, hey, we're pretty much chalk out of time here, but we're not out of Matthew chapter 10. So uh, we will see you next week, whether or not we end up in Matthew 10 again or not. I don't know. But what I can say is thanks for joining us on the Church Planner Podcast. And this has been Peyton Wait, 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 wait. Oh, oh, another commercial? Let me ask you something, Peyton. Are you a non-math pastor? I am. <laughs> you are. I am the non-math pastor. I'm going to get you a little badge that says non-math pastor, Peyton Jones. And you can Hi, wear it. My name is Peyton. I'm a non-math pastor. Maybe maybe we should talk to Josh and tell him he needs to make t-shirts for all of his clients. I'm a non-math pastor. Ninja. I'm a non-math pastor ninja? Yeah. Well, the only reason why I bring that up is because I know of this this group, this company, uh, led by a church planner. And uh, they actually work with non-math pastors, and they simplify church.com and do everything that you don't like to do as a pastor. Bookkeeping, accounting, payroll, W-2, tax forms, tax receipts, all that stuff. They do it for you. Bill pay, paying your rent, all that stuff, man. Insurances, it's all done. Simplifychurch.com. Tell them Peyton Jones sent you. <laughs> the king of the non-math pastors. Indeed. Listen, my loyal subjects. Go to simplifychurch.com. Obey. <laughs> And that's it. That's all I got for you. Now you can close it out. Well, thank you for that contribution. This has been Peyton and Pete reminding you that if you want to reach ones no one's reaching, you need to go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. 